This is the one with head cannon. Celestial bodies. A ravioli liaison. A shaft of light a shining on our shed in a shed. And a few million cybers lost down the back of the sofa. It's called Ascension of the Cybermen. Here we go! Whistle on our epic phrase. All through time and all through space. We're slipping and angels now. Dalek Cyber Zood and wow! Counting Sonic's rating apps. From the poor to the sublime. Eccleston to Whitaker. Let's agree it's about time. Who back when? Reviewing on you who there is. Who back when? Subscribe and rate on iTunes, please. Rose and Donna. Amy Pond. Rory Clara. And beyond. Join, Join us on this side to see what other choice could there be. But who back when? Who back when? Ladies and gentlemen, and all in between and beyond, welcome to another episode of Who Back When? A Doctor Who podcast. Or Docpast. That's right, this is N164, Ascension of the Cybermen. <laughs> and I, back in the new channel, am Drew Back When, and opposite me, in every channel, the Omni Channel, the man, the legend. Hi, it's me, it's Leon. Hello, Drew. Hello, Podcast Land. Ascension, you say? Yes, indeed. There is ascensioning going on, cyber wise. Yes. In part two of three, possibly. At the end of series 12, high level, what did you remember and how do you feel now? Ah, ah. Well, I remembered more and more about this episode uh, the deeper into it I got. That tends to be how it goes. Well, there's a difference (laughs) between remembering and recognising. Okay. It's not just a matter of going, oh yeah, yeah, I remember having seen this. It was a case of remembering, oh yeah, I know what's awaiting them on the MacGuffin planet. Oh Ah. yeah, I remember what's at the end of that portal and so on and so forth. Gotcha, gotcha. Gadget, gadget. I remember being incredibly enthused by the side story. The Irish goings-on. Exactly. And I was no less enthused this time. Mm, Yes. My salient memory was of this dream sequence-like runner. And as I've told you many times before, I've bored the pants off your ears, podcast land, if you happen to be wearing ear warmers at the time. I love all dream sequences and messes with reality that aren't perception filters. Mm -hmm. It didn't seem so much like a dream sequence this time, though. I remembered, I slotted it into that category in my brain and remembered it more fondly than I subsequently re-experienced it. That is not how I remember it. I don't think it's ever felt like a dream sequence to me. It it was something that was just remarkably Twilight Zone slash Outer Limity. That it seemed like an old-timey thing and then something strange happens at the end of it. I misremember what happened at the end of it. I thought he got rebooted in some way. Ah. Maybe that does happen in the next one, who knows? But that's what I remembered. Didn't happen here. You know what? Sod it. Here's overwhelmingly high level. Yes. I thought it was okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a mixed bag. Yeah. Yes. It's a letdown after Diodati. Uh-huh. Yes. I was really hoping that this would be the third strong one in a row and I could give Chibbers some credit. Yeah. This <laughs> is, speaking of, credited only to Chibbers. Yes. Kind of feels like it, too. There are some of his signature moves, yes. Yep. yep. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, sounds like we've got some things to talk about. Yes, indeed. But all in due course, because first we have to let Podcast Land know roughly what's going on. How should we do that? Ooh, why don't we try one of these newfangled bite-sized chunks of who? Oh, only if you've written one already. (laughs) Well, indeed. (laughs) Let's. (laughs) Time for us to synopsize, lobify and summarize. So take a view and grab a brew and listen to this overview, this free-for-all. We like to call a bite-sized chunk of who. 
Quite a chunk of who. The Cyber Wars have taken quite the toll on mankind, and only seven humans remain on this side of the universe. Those who haven't already been killed or assimilated, so legend says, have escaped by portaling from a distant MacGuffin planet to an even more distant utopian galaxy. The no longer lone Cybermen Ashard won't stand for even one human surviving and is personally overseeing the last volley of executions. Unlucky for him, the 13th Doctor and her companions are on the case, and about to cock up their rescue mission and obviously get split up in the process. Meanwhile, sometime before, maybe, a baby boy named Brendan is Mosesing in the middle of the road and adopted by loving parents. Eventually he grows up to join the local police force, get shot, fall off a cliff, and somehow survive unscathed. Pretty typical oldie-worldie coming-of-age stuff, really. But are his parents really that loving? Is there something Twilight zone going on here? Wait, why isn't his dad aging? The point is, electroconvulsive therapy is a pretty quirky way to celebrate one's retirement. Miska over! You are welcome! <laughs> oh, what are we reviewing <sighs> again? Wow, yeah. <laughs> Have we just been reset? Is that what's well, happening? That happened to me. <laughs> Bloody COVID. Okay, so I'm going to start with my favourite part. Here we go. Because... Fittingly, it's the first 20 seconds. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the cold tone setter. <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. Yes. Cold space bath with the opening voiceover of the lone Cyberman. Yeah. I have taken Chibbers to task in the past for assaying grandeur and falling way short or just being off. But here, I think he did a fairly decent job. Oh, yeah, I totally agree with you. It also works so well as a callback later on in the episode. Mm. When they are hearing something bumping against the outer <laughs> hull of this, this rescue pod or whatever it is that they're traveling in. Oh, yeah, and of course we already know what that is because exactly. of how this began. And by that point, I had effectively forgotten all about the cold open. Mm-hmm. So having that callback just re-emphasizes how gorgeous this cold open is. Yeah. It's very nice. Yeah, and it, the slow motion zoom into the eye of the detached cyber head is so simple. The word that comes to mind is confident. Like, yeah. it's a pretty baller move. Like, this is what we're going to do. And we don't need to do any more than that because we've nailed it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and even more than that, him talking about they fought a billion battles and they had this empire, but they lost it and they surrendered it. It made me realise for the first time in a long time, perhaps since Doomsday, that the Cybers are a cosmic level threat. They are supposed to be up there with the Daleks. Very much so. When they appear, the universe is in peril and disturbed and any cruelty could happen. And I got some of all of that from this opening sequence. Interesting. Okay. Interesting. I get that less from the opening sequence, more so from Ashad's reimagining, his personal reboot of the Cybermen. Okay. As in when he he has terrifying ambition, the only tool that he can think of to implement, to realize that ambition is the Cybermen. That in itself makes the Cybermen, proves that they must be a universe-level threat. Because otherwise he'd be like, now that I have the Siberium, I can do anything I want. We've never heard of the Siberium before, Diodati. But the fact that he goes, all I need is all of these Cybermen and I'll end life in the universe. Ah, I I take that seriously. I hadn't thought that his ambition predated his partial Cybernization. I didn't realise that he was, I don't know, Andrew Tate on his home world, <laughs> being beastly to as many people as he could. And then along comes this 
technologically enhanced way of being that way to the entire universe. Yeah, okay, I don't know if he wanted to end all life in the universe and that's why he joined the ranks of the Cybermen or tried to, but he definitely was a Tate chap before... No, wait, I can't use chap in the same sentence. No! He definitely was a Tate before being Cybered. And more so in this episode than, than ever before, do we... Than ever, than in the two episodes now that we've seen him in, mm-hmm. is it clarified that he is exactly the kind of cyber reject that we got in that classic serial, the name of which I've forgotten. I can't help you there, buddy. Rare. Something of the Cybermen? Probably. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, one of those. Bing bong, future Leon here. That would be Attack of the Cybermen. Why can I never remember that? Back to the show, bing bong. Can I ask a question about the floating army of dead Cybermen? Floating cyber debris? Yes, the asteroid field of Cybermen. Yeah. What exactly has happened there? I would guess that there was once a second troop carrier, perhaps, and they were just blasted out of their nice cosy shells somehow. But why is... So why is no one awake on the troop carrier that they bought? Well, this is a whole other question. Okay. (laughs) Because... (laughs) Because this is the site of their greatest defeat. The Cybermen, the worst battle they ever lost. Yeah. But it turns out they had over a million troops still to throw into the fray. Yeah, exactly. And they just didn't bother. Do whatever you want. Also, surely being out in space doesn't kill them. That is also extremely possible. We know that they can jet off from propulsion in their boots. I don't know how high they can go, but there's there's only flesh somewhere within their casing that they're not breathing are they breathing do cybermen breathe that's a very good question i have something about it's not so much about breathing it's about other bodily functions regarding the lone cyberman among my intro questions but oh yeah he might there's in the moon base Uh classic classic serial yeah they walk on the moon Mm -hmm. without any need for oxygen or anything they're just cybermen walking on the moon yeah it's it seems to make sense to me that they could just go anywhere they wanted exactly so why don't we get kind of a first contact star trek first contact situation where yeah they are floating around in space and that has sort of disabled them because there's no gravity and they're just they're they're just floating around they can't do anything and they got no tactics no strategy to follow exactly but why wouldn't they just float around forever or until their batteries die yeah or quietly playing mahjong or go up there as ai brains tend to enjoy yeah yeah Mm, weird but Okay, so this other thing about the millions of unused troops. Yes. Presumably, I say presumably as if Doctor Who has to make sense. If you have a massive battle in space, surely there is some survivor on some side and they would check this enormous, intact... That's exactly what I was thinking. ...mostly undamaged troop carrier and disable what was on there, blow it up. Exactly. Why have why has this troop carrier just been allowed to remain there? Did the Cybers kill every single human who was fighting them? <laughs> That's possible. And the Cybers didn't leave anyone behind? They were like, oh, it's fine. These two billion Cyber soldiers, warrior class, whatever that is, they can... Yeah. They'll just... Oh, yeah. They'll be fine in the fridge a little while longer. I'll just nip out for a second. I'm sure I'll be back. 
Yeah, the unpalatable conclusion I must draw is that the Siberian has somehow planned this. Oh, okay. Go, go on. Well, if there's some cyber intention behind this, then the Siberian is in charge, and the lone Cyberman, as the host of it, is keeping this part of the plan secret so that all these guys can get to Kashamas and his portal and whatever, and that will eventually play out. But we know that space, fictional space, is full of scavenger races and people who are who will come in and pick up the detritus. And that's also incredibly true. Yeah, that's a great point. Why don't they show up and there are there's like the cast of Firefly there? Yes, picking up scraps. Exactly. I know that the Cybermen are targeting the humans specifically, and maybe everyone else will keep out of the way. But once you think there's a gold mine just sitting up there unattended, you are going to have half the galaxy queuing up, fighting amongst themselves for the scraps. Dang right you will. And the scraps in this case happen to be several thousand tons of weapons-grade steel. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Not to mention a carrier. An enormous ship. With the most advanced systems this human has ever encountered. Which also in itself includes lots of other spaceships. Which leads me to a follow-up question. Uh When they show up, why don't they self-destruct the entire carrier with these billions of Cybermen and just take one of the spaceships in there to Kashamas? I had completely missed the fact that there are other spaceships. There's a shot of them walking through a hangar. Yeah. And and there are these... There's X-Wings and... Well, I think they might be exactly the kind of ship Doc and Co. hijack on the right. settlement planet. I think yes. it's those spaceships. So a why cruiser not just, like, or something. Yeah, so why not just like, take one of those, man? You don't have to bring all the Cybermen in the universe to your friends. Kill the <laughs> Cybermen. <laughs> yep. And kill the three that have tracked you that far. Yes. Lure them onto the ship. I did find myself wondering if this human, I can't remember his name, in, it ends in army somehow. Athel army. The guy whose brother dies. Yes. Yeah. The older brother dude. If he is so adept with the cyber controls, surely he can access the self-destruct sequence. Yeah, that occurred to me while I was watching. Yeah, sacrifice themselves to take down the cybers. Oh, well, but not even necessarily sacrifice themselves. Oh, yeah, not not necessarily because they could just hop in the cruiser. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Worst case scenario. Yes. It's a high-scoring draw. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And there's another thing, which Uh since we're touching on this incredibly advanced spaceship, when they say, oh, in this ship, we'll get to Kashamas in absolutely no time. And the Cybers never wanted or chose to do this previously when it's where the humans have been escaping all along. Oh, you know, that didn't dawn on me. You're right. (laughs) Didn't dawn on Chippers either. They didn't know where it was. But wait, how come all humans know where Kashamas is? Chinese whispers. Across the... Wait, by, from who? <laughs> who has whispered to them, go to this planet, the, they'll... Koshamas himself. Maybe the master. Oh, there's a shout. Yeah, and if he is behind this whole scenario, and because we know that the cyber lords or whatever... Is that what they're called? I Yeah, it's like cyber lords or cyber masters or... Oh, no, I wanted it to be cyber lords and it's stupid cyber masters, isn't it? Or master lords or everything that's it's some, wrong. It's something dumb. Yeah, It's they a missed opportunity, the, whatever it was. They chose the worst option. Yeah. yeah. 
So, yes, perhaps he has been mesmerising humanity in some way with his manipulations. Yeah, yeah that'd be very mastery. Let's give him the credit for now. Fine. Provisionally. <laughs> yeah. You uh, you get one of them, <laughs> Jibbers. <laughs> you get one master bailout. Although, right. how has he come back? We'll find out next week, I'm sure. <laughs> From Kasavin Land. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Not even Kasavin Land, Kasavin Bubble Universe or whatever it is. Like, it's supposed Surely to be. they will. Does it not get. <laughs> it doesn't get a mention? We oh, don't know. No. We don't know how he, he's been regenerated from Missy or John Sim or if that even happened at this point. So, I don't know. That's I don't... true, but that does not excuse it if he <laughs> no, no. just got away from there. But they could very easily double down. Be like, ah, oh, well, this is just what we do now. Yeah. Or don't do. You rather. think this doesn't make sense? No, it still doesn't. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But we're distracting you with this other thing doesn't make sense <laughs> yes dude do you have an opening question yes i thought you might okay why are the cyber drones not it like why why doesn't every cyberman have a detachable flying head or why can't the cyber drones for example be hollow wrap themselves around a human head cyber them oh like in the pandorica opens clang 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 Is oh that, yeah yeah that's that one right i it's totally slamming about it. open and shut and it's yeah chomping on clara's arm or something i'd completely forgotten about that i was thinking oh, Amy's like a, an alien face hugger situation so you send out these drones quote-unquote which are amazing why can't every cyber <laughs> head fly is there a head inside that drone good question <laughs> that is what i really wanted to happen i wanted the neural inhibitor to work on just a cyber head. And for this head to be piloting itself around the sky going, This is amazing! <laughs> Wee! I can fly! <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. At this altitude, I can't even feel my body. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the doctor sees, sees it having a mental wobble in midair and be like, This is when it mentally collapses under the weight of its own pain. And it's just going, I Wee! can fly! <laughs> I'm a superhero! This is the best thing ever! So a really jovial version of... What were they called? The master had sent... The Toclophane. There you go. So jovial <laughs> That is mostly my role on this podcast. <laughs> I introduce every other one and remind you they're called the Toclophane. <laughs> yeah, this is not the first time I've forgotten their name. So do you want to talk about this human settlement and what happens there? <laughs> because I feel yeah. like we must. Yeah, of course we must. It's Pants. Oh, well, my opening question. Right, here we go. And this is an important one. Yep. And potentially an offensive one and a sensitive one. Great. Is the Doctor in this episode just flat out stupid? (laughs) Are you asking that because she doesn't provide any context to her companions before arriving on this this rock? Yeah, and they have to process that news on the top of a hill. Mm -hmm. Is it because she has exactly three plans that are contingent upon there not being any cyber drones, which it turns out she's known all along exist? Yes. And consequently, all three plans fail? Yep. Simultaneously. (laughs) Is it because she leaves the TARDIS behind on this planet? And then constantly refers to the impossibility of returning there. Yeah, which which seems a little dumb. A little bit. Yeah. Uh, I hadn't even thought about the fact that they are now halfway across the galaxy from the TARDIS, but go on. Yeah, either they're going to go back to the TARDIS to collect it, which I don't remember happening, or she's assuming that she can summon the TARDIS in some way. The way that the Master can, for example, or mm-hmm. has... It, it's been insinuated anyway that the Master... No, sorry, no, the Rani is what I was going to say. The Rani has a remote control for the TARDIS. Oh, cool. So, if that's the case, she wouldn't have ever had a, a reason to say, no, the TARDIS is too far away, we can't go to the TARDIS, we need to hijack one of these cyberplanes. Yeah. I'm now thinking that if she had brought the TARDIS 
into the human settlement. The TARDIS can withstand all manner of Dalek fire. Yeah. So presumably it can withstand all kind of cyber fire. You would assume so, yeah. And so you put the neural inhibitor and the gold doohickey and the whatever else inside that force field and they will have their effects because they can't be shot down immediately. Yeah. You know what else? If you materialize inside the settlement, you just go, hi, listen, you can clearly see I'm not a cyber. You're going to die if you stay here. Join me in the TARDIS. All seven of you, we will be fine. Yeah. Mm. And now she has actually saved humanity. Yeah. And this is all building on the back (laughs) of, this is all piggybacking on the stupidity in the last episode where save the poet, save the universe. Yeah. 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 The Percy Bysshe Shelley. I reckon this episode and the fact that we only have seven humans left in the universe. Yeah. What, three or four of whom die in this <laughs> in this run as well? Mm-hmm. Well, at least two of them die. The old black dude and the younger brother. There are two young young men who die. Okay. I think so. There's a guy who's like, oh, the lone side man says, oh, I admire your bravery. That guy also dies, doesn't he? That's the old black dude who, who is hiding behind. No, but doesn't the young guy also die? No, that's Ethan. He survives. And, oh, you're right. And he becomes the new Ryan of the week. I, <laughs> in my notes, he is a better Ryan. Yeah, mine too. <laughs> I forgot that that is better, Ryan. You're absolutely right. Two notes, one podcast. <laughs> so, so yeah, I was I was just incensed that all the guys weren't called Percy and all the women weren't called Shelley. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. So I think this episodes and all of those actions prove the point that Percy Bishelli avoided water post Diodati. He just went, nope, ain't getting in that boat. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And therefore changed history enough to doom mankind. Mm-hmm. So, because he didn't die young, he wasn't venerated in the same way, and his works fell into obscurity, thus doing exactly the opposite of what the Doctor intended to happen. His poetry, his, all of his writings were probably all about surviving and staying on land yep. after that point. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Weird fixation. Yeah, he probably became very insular and... So to speak, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not surrounded by water. <laughs> Well, surrounded by land, then water, mm. at a remove. Yes, sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and in his old age, he became insufferable. Maybe he went into politics and all his works were cancelled. Oh, Tory. doctor. Yeah, probably. <laughs> well, I'm sure he was from nobility, noble stock, right? He went I to Eton. So. He, he probably became prime minister if he went to Eton, which he did, by the way. Right, well, there <laughs> yeah. you go. So, great. Thanks, Doc. Thanks, Bish. And that thing that she did wrong, up on the top of that hill, like when the companions are looking at her in horror, I couldn't help but think, one of you, were you real human beings rather than adjuncts to get the next scene going? would say, this is your fault. You should have listened to us. You were all bitchy with us <laughs> back in Diodati. You're going to be really snippy with everybody. Yep. Like the last seven survivors, the last seven human refugees. You're They're not be... even the best ones. One of them's a nurse and one of them's a teacher. I'll keep those two. Yeah. <laughs> but the others can go. <laughs> okay. Like... <laughs> I think his name's Fakit or something like that. And he says, we've only got two guns and one of them's broken. And she's like, yeah, what? That's rubbish. Why are you so crap? And it's all her doing. <laughs> Also, aren't you meant to be all about sympathy? Isn't that your shtick, Doc? Yeah. Are you not here to rescue the last seven defenseless humans? Why would you criticise them for the lack of defences? Yeah. Now, I could buy this if there were an accompanying scene where it was somehow explained that it's weighing on her. The responsibility that she talked about last week, she's now living with the guilt 
And every time she sees these poor, pathetic, persecuted humans, she has to acknowledge that she's the entire reason their life is as it is. And so that's why she's being a bit less doctory and empathetic than usual. But we never get any of that. On the note of her being less empathetic than usual, okay. could she care less about Yaz and Graham? She is separated mm. across the galaxy. <laughs> yes. Well, she's just glad they're out of Cyber's way. Yeah, she doesn't her... know where they are. No, but her priority one is for them to get out of the way of these Cybermen. She's annoyed at Ryan because he didn't escape. But this is another argument for what you said before okay. that isn't she dumb oh right the reason she's she's upset that ryan is still there is that he is a human and might be cybered yes but did she not realize beforehand that all of her companions are humans why did she bring mm. them there in the first place that mm. oh i only just realized i've put you in harm's way it's like, yeah, you went to a war zone with these three civilians. What were you? Like, did this not dawn on you? That's the other thing behind my question of is is she stupid? Because the cyber wars are a humanity spanning cataclysm. Yeah, and she doesn't bring any reinforcements. She doesn't call in any favors from all her many lives and contacts with many other species over thousands of years. That did not even dawn on me. You're so right. When and it didn't even happen now. That's should happen battles and battles ago yes they rock up now because this is where percy bishelli's coordinates have brought them to mm. yeah that's why they turn up so so late i see which is another perhaps clue to the siberian being like yeah i'm gonna mislead you slightly but when they arrive yes. counter counter when they arrive does she not know all about the cyber wars and the history leading up to this point? Oh, because she's... Because she does say... Assimilated oh, the Siberians' knowledge. Oh, is that why? Maybe. Well, she does say, I just assumed it was in the history books. Uh, yeah, that, equally possible. That Because she says, oh, at this point, the Cybermen have uh, destroyed all of mankind, all but seven people. Mm. Uh, the Magnificent Seven. <laughs> the Mediocre Seven. <laughs> But hey, in the good news column, most of the cybers also died. Mm. So that would presuppose that she knows that most of the humans have died. She probably knows-ish when they died, how they died, blah, blah. She knows that it's because of the war. Why show up at the very end of it? Yeah, does she have to follow the coordinates? Are the coordinates fixed coordinates in time, really? So can you remind me what the whole coordinates business is? The coordinate, what Percy Shelley was scrawling all over his room, yeah. all Siberian and no visibility make Percy Shelley a dull boy, over <laughs> yeah. and over and over again yeah and so so it's coordinates in space and time yes so it's towards the end of the war must be so okay so i see what you're saying the siberia may have led them to the end of the war well i'd like to think but siberia's basically going too long didn't read (laughs) (laughs) if i may say so yes perhaps chibbers or perhaps we may find a better writer and not chibbers would have had the Siberium deliberately trick Doc into absorbing it last week. Like, it's been playing a long game, the lone Cyberman has been acting all along, so it gets into her head, it sucks up all her plans, and now she finds her strategy bested at every turn. How does it know? I'm going to think, oh yeah, it was in my head. And now she has to improvise, except we don't get any of that improvising stuff, which makes me question, did they actually do it at all? Hmm. But I like that as an idea. Yeah. Yeah, have it be input and output. Mm. like that because why didn't we get that that would also motivate most of the things we were like well why is this happening last week yeah 
Yes, exactly. Because the Siberian would be nefarious as well. Absolutely. Yeah. In fact, if it's so so nefarious, why would it have been running away from the lone Cyberman in the first place? I think we did ask this question yeah. during that review. Like, Why is it on the lamb? Maybe it was all a trick. You're so right. Yeah. And maybe the master is behind it. And if so, there'll be points are coming next week. Yeah. I don't think that's the case, though. Right. <laughs> <laughs> But we'll hold those points in abeyance for now. Sure. Sounds good to me. (laughs) Okay, so the other thing that really, really bugged me Uh is the Doctor has a characteristic thing to herself. You can see the cogs turning as she magics up a clever. What is her plan going to be? The workings of that mighty brain are... On the one hand, should I run towards the companions and draw the weapons fire so we all die quicker? No, run the other way. Be a distraction. Be bait. Genius. It's presented as, like, up there with the cleverest things the Doctor's ever thought. And it's just running off to the right. Yeah. Bugs the hell out of It's me. underwhelming to say that. <laughs> yeah. Somewhat. And then the, he just points and the Cybers follow the companions anyway. Yeah. Thanks for nothing, Doc. <laughs> <laughs> and this is mere seconds after she said, just you and me, mano e womano. And <laughs> no, he's got two guards with him. And the drones, which he just saw fly away, are still around. The, yeah. And the drones who... This does actually bug me because I don't remember ever having seen drones before. I assume this is the first time that we get drones. I don't remember seeing them after this. I don't know if in Nightmare in Silver... I think they did it with mites, didn't they? Cyber mites Cyber mites we've had, yeah. Yeah, so maybe this is new. I think it is. And they are great. Yeah, they are great. More, please. I'm sure Michael will back me up on that. They're great. They're really terrifying. They're a fantastic narrative tool. Yeah. And they make for a really good chaotic war scene. Absolutely. Yeah. It's like drones today. Yeah. But in addition to that, they're also incredibly effective. They are way more effective than the Cybermen themselves. Mm. I think we've said the same thing about Cybermites before. (laughs) (laughs) That's probably true. Cybermen clearly are just encumbered by bodies. If they only got rid of that heavy, cumbersome steel, streamlined <laughs> yeah. it down to just a cranium in a in, in an oddly floating fish tank, they could conquer the galaxy. And they wouldn't have to go chick boom chick boom every time they move like either the engine. They would just zoom around Quietly. silently. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Stealth Cybermen. Not the most annoying thing about that settlement scene for me. Do you know what it was, though? Go for it. Oh, what was? It was that we get three back-to-back, what is that thing, conversations. Oh, the inventory. We have three sci-fi gadgets. Let's get three different people (laughs) setting them up, and let's get three different settlers walking up to these three individuals, asking them each about their respective sci-fi gadget. Yeah, and you can tell, you can tell that Chibbers was aware and conscious of what he was doing because he dropped a cockle in there as a spoonful of sugar to sweeten the deal. This cockle is a neural inhibitor. Yeah, classic Chibbers move. Mm. I'll just come back to a Percy Bysshe Shelley note that I mentioned. Do I? That I didn't mention. That I wrote. It's increasingly weird to me that he was the key to everything. Because he has stuff in his poetry that Moffat and Gatiss, Gatiss especially, would have threaded references to his works throughout oh, here we go. this whole story. I can, I can, I sense, I can uh, sense that some <laughs> jam and red string is coming up. Well... Two of Shelley's most famous works, Two a Skylark and Ozymandias. Two mm-hmm. a Skylark has the lines, Keen as are the arrows of that silver sphere, 
which it immediately made me think of cyber drones. Yeah. Oh, certainly. And Ozymandias describes how a shattered visage lies, as in Lone Cyberman, with a frown and wrinkled lip and sneer of cold command. And Ozymandias' subject matter is all about the fall of empires. Is it just me or is there a quote from Ozymandias in this episode? Is there? What is it? I didn't make a note of this, but is there not... Oh, shit. Now I'm going to reveal my stupidity, but is this not from Ozymandias? The look upon my... On my works, ye mighty in despair. Exactly. Is that in here? Yeah. Where is it? Where is it? Well, I'm pretty sure... Well, either that or my brain just went to Ozymandias and it somehow transposed it into this episode. Oh, well, should have been. One second, hang on. Coulda, woulda, shoulda. Shoulda, woulda, coulda... I don't know. Didn't. Didn't. No, I've I've imagined it. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I've literally imagined... How did I imagine a quote from Ozymandias in this episode? (laughs) Because it's so jaw-droppingly appropriate and obvious... And Chivers didn't do it. Hang on, sorry. Look again. I'm not even funny. That is, that's a weird thing for my brain to do. So there must be, <laughs> a, hang on, I'm, I'm just going to Google, not Google, I'm looking at the trans, am yeah. I on the right episode? 38.9. Yes. Yep. Thank okay. you, Chakotay.net. I've, I've just command F'd look. <laughs> there are 23 cases. I'll take the opportunity to have a nice long swig. Oh my God, it isn't in there. Mm. My brain has literally imagined it in there. I can hear, in my mind, it is the voice of Ashad. Perhaps when he was quoting Shelley last week. Does he quote Ozymandias? At some point, Shelley's voice is appearing through him. I'm looking at the Diodati script. Nope, not in there. <laughs> Ignore me. <laughs> okay, okay. So the Cyberman says, There's not one atom of yon earth but once was living man. The sword that stabs his peace. He cherisheth the snakes that gnaw his heart. He raises up the tyrant whose delight is in his woe. Okay, th- I guess so back then there was something. But yeah, there's so much else. And it's yeah. just gone. And it's gone because it's daft. Because it's not good well, enough motivation for the Doctor's actions. Well, it would have been... A, I'm not familiar with Skylark. And I think that would have been a fantastic reference. That would have been an occasion to introduce the drones. Yes. Just have him quote that particular line from Skylark. And then above him, whoosh, a swarm of yeah. silver spheres. Mm. Tits. Yeah. Oh, work just, work just missed the opportunity. faintest echo of Ozymandias into the opening voiceover, which is already great, but could be even better. Yeah. <sighs> okay, right. Do you want to talk Irishman? Yeah, please. So, baby Brendan. Just like that. <laughs> just like that. To be sure, to be sure. <laughs> <laughs> do you remember seeing this the first time, and do you remember the mystery and being like, is this the Doctor? Could this be anyone else? Because part of me thinks it could possibly have been mistaken for Kashamas' backstory. He's living on a coast among cliffs. Oh, He's played true. by a Northern Irish actor, as far as I know. He was in Derry Girls. Oh, right. Okay, yeah. It could... He was in it, Game of Thrones as well. Everyone who was in this episode was in That's Game true. of Thrones. It could even conceivably be Ashad's backstory, up to a point. Because yeah. we don't know his deal. Actually, that could have been pretty cool. I would like to have seen his backstory. Mm-hmm. In general. I hadn't even thought about it until you just said it a moment ago. I think that would be a really interesting take. I don't remember what I thought at the time, but I definitely did not think it was the Doctor. Oh, right, yeah. I'm almost certain that I didn't. Okay. mm. Because there is nothing, apart from a magnificent segue, where the mum says, if you feel worse, I'll call the Doctor. And then the Doctor... Cut to. Yeah. Yeah. The speed of that was very neat. 
Yeah, that is very nice, but that doesn't feel like a hint, hint. The guy you've been looking at is the doctor. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, that's more a don't worry in Act 3, this lady's going to come and save this guy <laughs> kind of a situation. Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember? What, what, how did you feel at, at the time? I can't really remember. I can only sort of superimpose possibilities back onto what I may have thought back then. Okay. Another possibility would be that, well, until Gallifrey appears behind the portal, is that this is where people end up going for some reason back to 1920s Island. We need to watch the Banshees of Inner Sharon, by the way. Yeah, we, we should. need to get on with that. We should, yeah. Let's, let's do it. Let's put it up on the little big screen. I remember now one of the theories I had back then, <sighs> and that was that Gallifreyans were actually humans. Ah, right, yes. And that they'd been walking through the portal. Like, humans had been... It's sort of a... Spoilers for Battlestar Galactica from, like, 15 years ago. But like that, that it's a... Mm. Oh, these sci-fi people, they went to a space planet. That space planet, fast forward. It's Earth! Kind of, <laughs> kind of situation, but in reverse. Where the Earthlings went out into space. They went to a crazy planet. It's Gallifrey! Yeah. But in the past. So Time Lords are actually just humans, and it would kind of explain why... The Eighth Doctor is half-human on his mother's side. Possibly, although I don't really... <laughs> <laughs> no, sorry, carry on. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, no. Th- that backstory is like Die Hard 5. It never happened. But it would kind of explain why the Doc is so fond of humanity. Yeah, because why, somehow in why the... she, he is drawn to them. Exactly, yeah. Somewhere in the Gallifreyan collective memory is the, a longing to return to Earth. Something along those lines. Yeah. Yeah, that was all up for grabs. And I think I remember that being a current theory at that time and had that been the case how would you have felt it really depends how they handled it and exactly how the knot was tied they haven't explained the doctor's ultimate origins even now as far as i'm aware when she falls through guess what a portal and appears on gallifrey i don't think even when tectayun is in her tardis between universes i've forgotten all about that stuff yeah, yeah. i don't think she says or knows even where the Doctor ultimately came from. I think that is still to be written or swept under the rug. I vote the latter. <laughs> so could, still could be humans by some really long loop. Yeah. So do you remember exactly what the whole Brendan backstory is about? Division. Oh. It's the Doctor volunteering for Division, wanting to make a difference. And so it's like the CIA, but not the CIA, because there was a so Gallifreyan CIA. Is this the like psychological torture training scene from the Bourne series. I'm going to be a born identity guy, says Matt yeah. Damon. And then they break him down. And that's what happened to Doc? Yes. Yes. Oh, right. And it all gets sort of metaphorically remembered in shards and fragments. Totally forgot about that. Yeah. But you saying that makes me realise the Doctor isn't going through this episode thinking about it. It's just being presented to us in parallel Yeah. because at some point we need to be given the information. There's no organic link. The Doctor isn't even at the most basic level. Like She's under a lot of stress, more so than usual. And so every 10 minutes you can imagine Jodie going, ah, ah, as it somehow pierces through. Or the Master is Oh, I'm happy that that's not the case, though. Oh, absolutely. That that is just me off the top of my head thinking of the worst way of doing it. Regardless, that would be a link other than just televisual jiggery-pokery, which is what we have. Yeah, I can. I see what you're saying. So I don't remember what happens in this regard in the next episode or the episode after that, whenever I, this loop gets closed. Or this. I've never seen the film Aragon, but I remember the trailer for it. It is just John Malkovich walking downstairs, constantly expositing. And that, I think, is what the master does to Doctor next week. 
filling us in on all that backstory. Great. All the really stuff he found that. in the Matrix. Great, 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 great. Oh, yeah. I forgot that they go into the Matrix. Yeah. All right. Yo, fantastic. Yeah. Sorry, did I spoil it? No, 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 don't worry about okay. it. Don't worry about it. it. I still don't remember how the loop gets closed with, or how the bow gets tied with, with Brendan. No, no. If it's just a case of, oh, Doc gets told about Brendan, quote unquote, or we find out that Doc now remembers that experience. Yeah. But what I would like to see right now, because if I transpose myself back to when this aired, and I was really excited because I didn't know where the Brendan substory was was heading, yeah. I would want to see that's that story continue. Now mm. I know that there's something sci-fi Twilight Zone going on with Brendan. I want that to continue in parallel with Doc. Doc is unaware of this. And as both of these stories continue, yes. Doc is on her way to wherever. She goes through a portal. She goes to Gallifrey. Brendan goes back through to through life. He's been, has received some ECT and now he's back to being a police officer or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. It gets progressively more sci-fi. Brendan arrives at a building or something that is out of the order and Doc oh, out of place in 1920s Ireland. Wh- whichever building it is, there's something yeah. noticeable about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And cut to Doc walks up to a building or whatever it is that is visibly, noticeably the same building. Mm-hmm. And that's how they link up. So what I would like to see continuations of both paths until they converge. And then we no longer need the Brendan substory because now automatically it forms part of her narrative. Something like that may yet happen. I can't remember specifics. Okay, well, I look forward to it. Yeah. All I would say is that while I enjoyed the diversion in the moment, and I sort of liked their gutsiness in a way, I feel really ambivalent about it. I like the gutsiness of just putting this thing in sort of clearly unconnected and you've got to stick with it and it'll be explained next week. But at the same time, I feel like there weren't really enough clues there. Like there should have been lots of clues and some of them would be misdirects. They just happen to be coincidences pointing us in the direction of Lone Sideman, for instance, Koshamas, whatever. And eventually enough of them point to the Doctor that you're like, ah, but this was fun and this was rich and this was well thought through. As it is, it's... It's not quite enough. It falls in the middle. It doesn't reach that mm. critical mass of being really, really interesting. Uh, do you know why? As in, can you put your finger on why it's not interesting enough? Well, because there aren't loads of clocks, for instance. And and it's also just the... Oh, okay. I mean, that would point to the Doctor. Like, if Brendan had had children, that might point to... Brendan joins the police. Yeah, but you can have children when you're in the police. No, but I mean police, police box... Oh, that's true. You that's know. true, yeah, yeah. D- the Garda sign is the exact same as the police sign I'm pointing here at, the, at England. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> off screen, off my... <laughs> all around, yeah, just yeah. point everywhere. Where they are also TARDIS blue, because that's where it comes from. Yes. And, and e- that's a link. Equally, Ashad, clearly an authoritarian, power-hungry douchebag, yeah. make him a police before he was cybered before he was converted and then you have the ambiguity of, oh it could be him or it could be him and then there's something else that potentially points to Kashamas. we don't know really enough about Kashamas to make that link properly so add stuff in there and that would just be activating so many more possibilities and theories than what's possible really from what we have i really like that as a suggestion i think that's a great suggestion i wonder if this is too early this was written and as in just from a socio-historical point of view this was written and produced and premiered before we as a society officially acknowledged that all policemen are fascist shits (laughs) 
not all policemen. No, sorry, I'm generalising. Yeah, yeah. What I meant to say was most policemen. <laughs> most metropolitan policemen. Definitely. And also some others. Yeah, you're right. I'm sorry, we might have a policeman or two. I, I know a policeman or two. Great, yeah. yeah. I apologise for generalising. I didn't mean all a policeman. I meant... Shockingly <laughs> many policemen. Exactly, yeah. Sorry, I'm still exaggerating here. But, but so I think for that reason, we don't... That wouldn't be part of the narrative. Oh, he's a policeman, so he is... Potent- like, policemen aren't corrupt. Policemen aren't evil or violent or whatever it might be. Oh, hmm. uh, okay. What else? I did write a few questions about the Brendan timeline that actually in hindsight are, are just kind of dumb. Like, why is Brendan's dad there for the interview? Oh, <laughs> they all know each other. They know Pat. But he's there. He's, he's, he's like, he has my son. He is an adult. <laughs> he's going to protect <laughs> the community. He can't speak for himself. <laughs> I'm going to treat him like a nine-year-old. Pat's his character witness. Entirely objective. <laughs> <laughs> Is neat handwriting a requirement for being a policeman, I've also written? That that seems like such an odd thing. That seems like the kind of compliment that you give a potential police recruit who is utterly incompetent. Well Well, well done, Brendan. Your handwriting's really, uh, really neat. (laughs) See, this is another thing where if it is the doctor, it could have called back to... I'm sure the doctor's handwriting when they were at the academy hasn't come up in the past so bring up something that has and put it in that interview yes or retrofit it later on doc bumps into goes back to uh, gallifrey bumps into some old barusa or someone uh-huh. uh, oh, who, oh fuck it the master we see the master yeah yeah, yeah. the master pops around while the ma- the doctor is writing in the sand she's writing hey Come here, Koshamus is here, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, and the yeah. master just goes, Wow, your handwriting's still lovely. <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> and we go, Oh. Yeah, I never did understand why you could call yourself a doctor with such beautiful handwriting. Exactly. Yeah. B- bingo. But maybe that's too obvious. Maybe. Well, after you've already revealed it. And oh, then. We, but we, yeah, okay. After we've revealed it, maybe we get that an episode or so from now. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that, that, if it's something that we leave until after the reveal, that's why there isn't a callback to something we've already learned about the Doctor. Yes, okay. But that won't happen, we know that. And if this had been Moffat and two-thirds of the way RTD, every single thing that happened would have been knotted tightly backwards or forwards into something else. It would all have been hinging off of each other. Yeah. Whereas... It just all seems a bit dangly, as it is. Yeah, very much so. Missed opportunities. Yeah. It's less jam and string and more... Jam tomorrow? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It could still be all right, this Brendan thing, but it needs a big payoff next week. It needs to be handled very well. Let's hope. I'm going to look this up. I wonder if you've looked this up as well. Hang on. Meaning of the name Brendan. Oh, oh, okay. Derived from the Gaelic named Brendan, perfect pronunciation, which is <laughs> in turn derived from the earlier Old Irish Brennain, the Old Welsh Brenhin, is the root of the name meaning prince or king. Oh, okay. The medieval Latin form of the name Brendanus has also influenced the modern English and Irish forms. Brendanus. Okay. Putting the anus in Brendanus, anyway. Because here is another question of mine. Yeah. Why is, why is uh, Doc called Brendan? 
Doc has like famously not been named yeah. for quite a few decades, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden, <laughs> boom! We'll we'll name Doc in this form, and we'll we'll name him Brandon. Well, they gotta call him something that fits in with the society which we are witnessing. Brendan doesn't stand out. If it was something alien, then obviously it would. What bugs me is that it means prince and king when Doctor is going to fall as the timeless child onto Gallifrey as a little girl. (laughs) I don't know the gender of the Doctor when the Doctor volunteers to be part of Division, sure. But it's still, it's like, why? But there are... so. here's the thing so I don't remember anything about this Mm -hmm. try to answer this without spoiling too much okay Brendan falls off a cliff survives is that because this is kind of a simulation or is that because he regenerates yeah you know not regenerates but you know what I mean heals in some way I don't know if Brendan's falling corresponds to anything the Doctor experiences during their time in Division. I don't think that's ever made clear. I think there will be a parallel to that next week. I Yeah, I think I remember this as well. I'm assuming Tech Tayun just chucking kids off a cliff and the kid constantly changes or something to that effect. Potential spoilers are entirely wrong. <laughs> uh, but yeah, anyway, I, was, I think in answer to your question, if they had made Brendan a baby girl and Mm -hmm. given I don't know some name whatever the Gaelic for doctor is (laughs) I'm looking it up and I can't there isn't a a name meaning doctor it's all gentle beautiful and precious and freedom and liberty I'm looking for healer that's not coming up either wild beauty lovely wise this Um, is no help at all in Celtic the name Lee means healer hey yeah oh Lee that would have slipped under the radar yeah yeah Definitely. But maybe it's too obvious because Chibber's knows and the BBC knows that nerds and geeks are going to immediately Google Lee. What does Lee mean? Could be. If there are misdirects, then other options are still in the air. Yeah. I'd still have preferred that. Yeah. Yeah. Better something obvious than nothing at all, but sure. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I agree with that. I would say that this peaceful Irish storyline, for as long as it was peaceful, did make some really nice contrasts. With the fire and fury I agree. that was going on with, with the human settlement. Totally agree. Yeah. I wonder if they ever catch the chap who shoots Brendan. I don't know. Wait, does this actually happen? Is this a thing that happens somewhere in uh, olden times? I... Somewhere. Somewhere in olden times. <laughs> what, in the Doctor's history? On in Gallifrey? Earth's history? Oh, in Earth's history. I don't know. We'll find out next week. Yeah, okay. Or not. We'll come back to this. We'll revisit this subject next. I reckon this is in the Matrix or somewhere like that, and it's all fake. All fake, or it's an an amalgamation of case reports. Oh, yeah. Could be. Okay. Okay, Right. so... Yep, yep, yep. Companions. Companions. Which one? We have six of them. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Because three isn't enough. This is a classic Chibbers move. Yep. We need mirror roster... Yep. Graham potentially gets a love interest. He starts oh. off on level 139, and Ravio is like, I'd rather be on level 69 if you catch my drift. <laughs> I'm <laughs> wafting my drift at you as hard <laughs> as I can. She even goes so far as to say, like, yeah, I'd like a bit of strange or something <laughs> exactly. like that. It's like, yeah, no, no. <laughs> yeah, I'd like a bit of cockney. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, that is interesting. I yeah. wonder if that's going to get picked up on. Later what's on. what's the Cockney rhyming slam for sopping wet? <laughs> <laughs> right. So we have other Graham who wants to have sex with Graham. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Lady um, Graham. Lady Graham. We have better Ryan. <laughs> Who is an engineer? Who is a yeah. mechanic? Like, yeah, all of those things that you meant to put in Ryan's <laughs> character card, you've just given it to his replacement. Do you know what this? I don't want to make us. I don't want to invite a libel lawsuit or anything. Uh huh. <laughs> but but Ryan is so sidelined at this point. I wonder if he pissed people off on set. Like he was under contract for two seasons. And I don't know, he, he clearly wanted to get away, launch his film career. And so they pulled stunts like this, where stuff that was clearly suitable for Ryan's character, they're like, we could give you the exposure, but we're going to give this other actor what you would have otherwise received. Oh, that's a solid theory. I can't prove it, obviously, but why would why would you, else would you do that? In order to give him such a stellar line as, do you need a help with that, kid? Well, exactly, do you need help? With what I understood was my characteristic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, this is the one thing I could potentially help on. Nope, I'm fine. I've yeah. got it. Other me. Other worse me. Yes, exactly. I'm going to refer to him as a kid because apparently even a child can pull off what I'm supposedly, <laughs> supposedly capable of. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> also, imagine if Ryan had done that. Can you see Ryan to the point where this character has been developed in this episode? Stepping in and going, no, Doc, step aside. I know how to hotwire this cybership. I mean, maybe belatedly Chibbers is paying attention to the optics. <laughs> Did we not get... Wait, hang on. The first time, the... Uh, not, what was it called? The Amazing Race. Ghost Monument. Did he not do kind of the same thing? Sort of. I think he noticed Repaired that some things were batteries. <laughs> right. Right. Which the Doctor already knew. Which, to be fair, is actually pretty good. If you're coming from Earth in the 20-somethings and you go to space in the 7 billions, you see a spaceship from an alien civilization. If you can recognize which bits are batteries and which bits are wheels even, you're doing pretty well. If you listen back, I think you'll find you said very similar stuff. This is all... Oh, really? uh, This is all... Kicking off massive deja vu. <laughs> so, yes, I accept that argument. <sighs> okay, but the kid also gets a Ethan. shit line. Ethan. Better Ryan also gets a shit line. And it's the bit of entirely unnecessary exposition about how he grew up in wartime. Oh, yeah. Which is so schmaltzy, so out of place. They are in a rush, by the way. Mm -hmm. Uh, But they both have time to ask supplementary questions to jog him along. Yeah. And I think Ryan jumps in there with just enough of a line to earn him a paycheck this week. Where where, (laughs) where he says, oh, must have been rough. Whatever it is, I'm going to look it up and then probably cut it out. Must have been rough, but at least your dad was still around. (laughs) Mine, (laughs) Mine left me with my gran. I wish I'd been brought up in the cyber war he says so this is all you've ever known yeah yeah but he intones it as a question oh really so this is all you've ever known okay and then he it's subtle yeah Yeah, what a nonsense scene i would say nonsense scene in defense of toasting coal yes who can act we know he can act he acted earlier in the episode this is what i'm gonna say when they were up on the hill and they just learned that the human race is dead meat graham and yaz they do a half a job of reacting but they actually give it to tosin and i think he carries it like there is genuine shock and horror that there are seven humans left yeah and he's fine absolutely yeah it's a shame they didn't give him more 
Well, if your theory of before is right and he maybe ticked a few people off because he can't wait to get out of this show, then... Yeah. And he didn't come yeah. back for Power of the Doctor. That's the other thing I'm sort of basing it on. This is a solid theory. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not necessarily to his discredit because some of the scripts, some of the episodes he's appearing in, I would start to register some discontent. Certainly. But I'm assuming you also get paid a fair whack for being on Doctor Who. Oh, sure. And Doctor Who is pretty amazing as a thing. Yeah. You can say, I was a companion on Doctor Who. Yes, in brackets, during the year of the gas leak. But I was a companion <laughs> on Doctor Who nonetheless. Yeah. Also in brackets, one of six to seven, depending <laughs> on the week. <laughs> Right. Yaz? Should we talk Yaz? Yeah, please. Take us away. Yaz has a real stinker of a line, which is they're in the grav raft, and it's in dire straits. And there's no way out, really, apart from the most marvellous coincidence and the very last ounce of propulsion somehow locking them into a magnetic field, which is my only explanation for them being gulped down by that docking bay the way it is. Yeah. Absolute perfect fit, by the way, like a hand in a glove. They don't steer or anything. Do they program this in? How does this work? That's the other possibility. Perhaps Ravio programmed it in. That may have happened. Although I don't really know how, because it all seems just short of an explosion. And they don't know how much power they've got left. Exactly. But, But whatever, somehow it works. But Yaz says, with you and me, Graham, no one else stands a chance. Or something like that. I'm in the transcript. Yes. And just for funsies, I'm doing command Fs of different names. So, first off, Ethan has more lines than Ryan. Oh. (laughs) Excellent data point. Ryan has 17, Ethan has 19. Well done. Oh, (laughs) wow. No. Yaz has 36. As many as Ethan and Ryan put Put together. together. Now, Graham has 66. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I would not have guessed. Graham is just more of a p- participant here. Yeah. He has more bounce. Those are probably lots of short lines, but that just means that he's interacting with people. Yeah. Yeah. He's potentially reigniting his love life. What's the... Uh, oh, Ravio. Yeah. Ravio. <laughs> Holy shit snacks. Ravio has 52 lines. <laughs> <laughs> Ravio has effectively as many lines as Yaz and Ryan put together. Yeah, and Ethan. Well, oh no! Well, <laughs> no, yeah, n- almost, almost. Yeah, uh, she almost. Is, <laughs> she is the second companion now, out of six. Yeah, this is ridiculous. <laughs> who's who's Feecat? Feecat is the old dude who gets shot down in the building. Yeah, fifteen lines, effectively a Ryan. Yeah, yeah, but but he has the excuse of dying less than halfway through. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <sighs> But yeah, me and you together, no one else stands a chance. Eh? (laughs) In what reality? As far as I can tell, this is one of Yaz and Graham's first sort of trips together. Like, their first pairings. Yeah, I kind of bought it because they are... Now they're all they've got. Sort of hitchhikers guiding it, and all of a sudden they've bumped into another human across space, and they have to get back. Yeah. They're going to be best friends at this point. Or you're going to just go, you know what, Graham, I've got opinions about you, and also you snore, and also you've got that <laughs> weird smell. I don't know. It's yeah. something- and he's like, oh yeah, I forgot about that sandwich. I thought I'd eat it a few days ago. <laughs> 
Sorry, it's, it's egg. <laughs> and Graham's like, yes, the thing is, you just ask a whole bunch of inane questions, and they're <laughs> mostly about things that you could just see with your eyeballs. So it's entirely superfluous to requirements, but you are also the only other human from my epoch that I know, so yeah, yeah we're BFFs. And for that reason, next week, I will call you special and say there's something about you, Yaz, that That's makes right. you worthy of where you're going to be abruptly <laughs> left-turned in the next few episodes. Yeah, you betcha. <laughs> Speaking of Hitchhiker, we get a Hitchhiker... uh, Okay, I don't want to necessarily call this a Hitchhiker quote, but this is the nth time lately that we get a Don't Panic. Oh, yes. This has been a Chibber's hallmark. Yeah. This has come up a few times. Don't Panic. Didn't... Something 42? Sorry, I cut you off there. Didn't Graham say Don't Panic as the first thing to Ryan when he came around, when he came to in the Ghost Monuments? Yes. Yes. Exactly. I remember having this conversation. Yeah, yeah. So this is a through line for him. Mm. A touchstone. Yeah. Touch cloth. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, I like it. It, That's a nice thing. It's a nice little homage to um, Doug Adams. Yeah. I haven't watched it. Sorry, slight tangent. I haven't watched this yet, but do I have this open on my screen? I might have it open on my screen. I am crazy excited about this. Something called Hyperland BBS by slash starring Douglas Adams and Tom Baker. What? From 1990. I don't know what it is. A colleague of mine (laughs) at work sent it over and whatever it is, I can't wait to, to watch it. How curious. Yeah. I've seen the first two minutes and it it looks like Douglas Adams to the hilt. Yeah. Because all the artifacts from his lifetime are handled with such reverence and respect that we haven't heard of this. Exactly. Yeah. What is it like? (laughs) I know. Ah, cool. Yeah. Check it out. Yeah. Can I ask a question? Cyber question? Yeah. What's Warrior Class? Oh, design? Like early, like RTD? Reboot? New Who design? Oh, really? It seemed to me a few generations back, this kind with... It almost has jowls. (laughs) Cyber jowls. I thought it was a new slash old version, as in the the faceplate was reminiscent of Classic Who. Oh. But I might be mistaken. Maybe. Aren't they all warriors is kind of the point that I'm trying to make. Why would you have some that are warriors and some that are, you know, accountants? Yeah. And even if you have a cyber leader, he's a cyber leader of warriors. And a cyber controller, same. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. They make war. What else do they do? As you say, they don't cook the books. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, sorry. Absolutely fine. Okay, we're back on the subject of cybers. Ooh. What did you make of all Ashad's talk about blessed ascension and being chosen and so forth? This is where a backstory for for this chap would come in super handy. He sort of delivers one. I think this is all we're going to get. Yeah. The cyber empire rolled into town and he was like, this absolutely fits with my misanthropy and misogyny yeah. and police corruption all in one. Yeah. And he kills his kids, I think you said in the last episode. Yeah, because they didn't want to go along with it. Yeah. But my, I mean, not beef, my problem, my my stumbling block is all the talk about Blessed Ascension and being chosen, that's in the semantic field of the supernatural and It's messianic, in a sense, isn't it? Yeah, and religion. And that doesn't fit with the cyber stuff, the robotics, the removal of all. But there is a, that's in this episode, right? Not in Diodati. There is a reference to him still exhibiting certain human traits. 
he has, oh, it is in this one. Yeah. Doc, I'm assuming, says, hey, you're, that thing that you're feeling, that's anger. And by the way, the fact that you're feeling it makes you human. That's what cybers want to eradicate. Yes. Yeah. For example, let's see, he has like a messiah complex. Right. That's the human side of him. That's that's the one of the defects from the cyber point of view. There's an irony here at play that the only person who can lead the Cybermen to ultimate victory is the thing that the Cybermen most detest, namely human. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, I do see that, and I suppose it's the nature of the self-fulfilling prophecy, isn't it? This is literally what we have here. Like, he's like, I must have been chosen because I was chosen, and I was chosen because I must have been chosen, and... <laughs> That's one possibility. The other possibility, what what struck me during this episode is a, no, this was the plan all along, I swear, guys. Like, hey, I meant for this to happen. One of those situations. He was, he's a cyber reject. Something went wrong. Mm -hmm. He should actually just have been cast on the rubbish heap by the cybers or been used to hammer rocks or whatever it is they do in that. In that same episode, (laughs) the cybers, anyway. But he didn't. He hates himself. He talks about all the shame that he felt. Yes. But then he comes around around to it by going no hey no no no, this is no no this was meant to be you guys this was the plan all along you guys yeah i'm wearing half a helmet and my arm's not cybered yet i don't know why it isn't decomposing everything (laughs) that's shit about me i promise it was the plan all along Uh, my power is made perfect in weakness i am your new cyber god exactly yeah it's not so much necessarily a self-fulfilling prophecy as a trap trying to fill a gap with a prophecy Mm, okay his life makes no sense so he goes (laughs) fuck you guys i'm 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 your new messiah you don't know what that means because you have no emotions or concept of faith (laughs) (laughs) just trust me why everyone else listens to him why the other cybers listen to him that is beyond me I can only assume the Siberium has a root key that (laughs) enforces Ah. obedience telepathically or whatever. Okay, then I have to ask you a question. Why does he torture one of the Cybermen? That was exactly the point I was coming to next. Oh, right. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Because there are a number of ways in in which this doesn't make sense. He talks about the ascension is about to begin. He then starts sawing or drilling or grinding this Cyberman. That doesn't result in... Well, we don't see what that results in, first of all. Whether yeah, that's just that. a mangled... Again, like like whether he cuts half his face off and he's got a little cyber lone Cyberman acolyte now that sort of looks a bit like him. We don't see that. It also isn't spread out to all the others. So he's calling it the Ascension when it clearly isn't the Ascension. Yeah. No, I had the exact same thoughts. Like, wait, are you going to do this times two billion? <laughs> this is going to take you a while, chum. <laughs> well, it would, it would start off very slow and it would accelerate hugely in next to no time at all. And the amount of cyber screaming would become deafening. And then you could have them in the control room and being like, turn the ob system off. I can't take the screaming. And they're like, it is off. Like all of space is resounding with two billion <laughs> cyber screams. That would be pretty horrendous. Yeah. Doesn't happen. It doesn't. So what is it for? It's just so Ravio can say, this is the Cyberman who makes other Cybermen scream. But for what purpose? So here's another thing that I misremembered from this episode, by the way. Okay. I remembered... <laughs> Okay, so this is dumb, but I thought this was going to happen. That when the cyber, the lone cyber, when Ashad and his chums show up, that the companions slash the new companions hide by scooping out Cybermen and hiding in their empty shells. I think that does happen, possibly next week. 
Oh my god. <laughs> I t- I too remember that occurring. So I believe that that is to come. Right. So was, well that's a disappointment. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, on the downside I spoilt it. On the upside, you've got enough time to be ready to be disappointed. Yeah, yeah absolutely. No, I thank you for this. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I assume the Ascension is something that will be fully revealed next week, along yeah. with the and beyond. But that's the other thing. He says to the Doctor about the Ascension of the Cybermen and beyond. She's like, what's beyond? But we don't even know what the Ascension means yet. Like, walk before you can run, Doctor. Yeah. Like, just don't keep asking questions as your interrogation again. Like, figure out a fact and go from there. Chibbers. <laughs> hey, do you want a positive? Yes. Nice CGI set extensions. Oh, with the chung, 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 chung on the enormously long corridors. And yeah. B- yeah, warrior bays. Nicely done. There's some 3D tracking aboard the spaceship. I mean, this is this is just like boring production value stuff, but it looks really nice. It's very convincing. It's it's high production value and yes. it's very well executed. The only line I've so far written in my rating is this episode succeeds in staging a spectacle worthy of ending a series with. It looks fabulous. Absolutely. And those war scenes, the discombobulation, and the directing in that is really good. It is really involving. Yeah. You're right, this should have been a season closer. Well, it sort of is. Is it? Well, it's the first of a two-parter closer, isn't it? Yeah, I don't feel like that's the same. I feel like this should have happened, and then we get no more episodes for six to nine months. And we just exhale that whole time, be like, Fast forward nine months. (laughs) (laughs) And it ends up being a bit of a letdown, but still magnificent because, you know, yeah. Mm. Mm. Anticipation is everything. Yeah. Uh, Master? (laughs) Well, let's end with the master. We've got uh, Kashanus, first of all. Oh, yeah. He has a shillelagh. What's a shillelagh? A shillelagh is an Irish kind of stick. It can be made out of oak or blackthorn. I went to see Dara O'Brien. Yeah, last Friday. Last Friday. By the way, he's an Irishman who was adopted. Okay. So perhaps Brendan is... Someone quick. Grows up to be Dara O'Brien. Yeah. (laughs) He's another one in the mix. Sure. (laughs) And the point is that at one point in his act, he has a walking stick because he's got a dodgy knee. And he says, this isn't a cane. What's it called? And the guy behind me screamed out, Shillelagh! And that's what this is. This is what we have here. Nice. So Slumdog Millionaireing all through this episode. Lovely. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good word. It was the word of the day a it's few a, weeks ago. It's a great word. It's a better word than Koshamas is a plot device, I feel. Mm. So I very recently I fell off the wagon, okay? You watched the new Star Wars films and thought, wow, this guy is just like The Last Jedi. No, I fell off the wagon and I watched the final season of The Walking Dead. Oh. And I watched the final season of Fear the Walking Dead. I didn't realise you had to fall off a wagon to do so. Yeah, no, I had gotten on a wagon promising myself never ever to watch that shit again. Oh. I failed. I watched Walking Dead, which ended, oh yeah, not too badly. Whatever, it ended. Fear the Walking Dead ended in utter shit. There's a new season coming now. Oh, it's not even ended? No. That's how poor the ending was. The season was so bad, apparently. Sorry, welcome to Talking Dead. Talking, I'm walking dead here. Whatever. (laughs) It was so bad that they've decided to have another season that reboots it. (laughs) (laughs) That's how bad it was. But the thing that all of those shows have in common, every single season, 
oh, the world has ended. All we have to do is, oh, someone's found a word scribbled in a map, or oh, somehow uh, on the ether, over the radio, we've heard the name of a place. That must be the place that has salvation. They have a cure, or they have, it's safe, or they have food, or whatever. It's Mad Max as well. This whole season is going to be about walking there. Okay. And so I've just endured two seasons of that bullshit. (laughs) I wasn't happy about the last of those two seasons that I watched, Fear the Walking Dead. And then we show up in this episode and it's all about, hmm, Koshamas. It's meant to be. Legend has it. Legend. This has been going on for not long enough for there to be legends. Okay. Rumor has it should be the term. Rumor (laughs) has it. You go there and you can teleport to the other side of the galaxy or wherever. Your life feels much longer when you're living through a war. Ethan feels like he's decades old. He is decades old. Two of them. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, for that reason, it felt very much like a MacGuffin kind of situation. Situation and underwhelming. We've seen it before. It's not new. No, but it can be well done still. It was well done. I liked him. Mm-hmm. I liked that they show up at an empty camp and it's because everyone's left. Yeah, and he I, stayed behind. How noble. How long has he stayed behind? What did he eat? What does Maybe he do there are fish time? in those oceans. I don't know. Every time he walks up to try to catch a fish, a portal opens in front of him. He's like, damn it! <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Maybe that's how he cooks them. <laughs> he walks up to the water to fish and someone on Gallifrey lobs a cod through the portal at him. <laughs> it's like, oh, thanks, guy. <laughs> he is played by, I think I said it before, maybe Jim McElhinney. Oh, yes. Played Joe in Derry Girls, which I found very distracting here. Have you seen Derry Girls? No, no, I haven't. Okay, he plays a granddad in, in Derry Girls who is absolutely beastly to the dad of the house, like his son-in-law. Oh, yeah. And he's so unpleasant. Like, it's supposed to be for comedy. But I think he takes it too far. Every every time he takes it too far, I just feel sorry for the dad. And so to have him be all nice and smiley and virtuous here, <laughs> like, really hard to swallow. That's not his fault. The range of the actor is incredible. I, yeah, I'm he, trying to remember what he was like in Game of Thrones, and I have a feeling that he was a surly bastard in that as well. Mm-hmm. So well done. Yeah. Yeah, well done. I thought that he was so sunny that it was almost a twist when the portal turned out to be a portal. Especially when he says, no, just walk a little further. It responds to proximity or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Just keep going. It only looks like a piranha in the water. Don't yeah. worry, just <laughs> dip a toe. <laughs> <laughs> It seems like a dreadful trap, but once you've reached the point of no return, <laughs> you'll learn the truth. So, yes, I guess that worked. That was that's kind of nice. Yeah, I agree. He's just a genuinely nice guy. Yeah. If the program makers were going for that disquiet in my mind, well played, sirs and yeah. madams. Yeah, agreed. Mm. Shall we conclude on the master then? Oh, just one more cast point. Ravio Julie Graham has a prior Doctor Who connection. Oh, yeah? She played Ruby White in two episodes of the Sarah Jane Adventures. Does it count? Yeah, I suppose it does. Yeah, of course it counts. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> of course it does. Yeah, well done. So, what do you want to finish on? The master, I believe we agreed. Oh, yes, okay. Mm, finish on the master. <laughs> <laughs> We've been edging towards him for some time. Just, just thinking. Oh, goodness that's, sake. That's the, you've revealed your one line about it that you've written for your mini. <laughs> I also have only written one line, and it is about edging. Ooh, I- yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, I thought you were going to say master. What? 
<laughs> How about you tell me what you were going to say about the master then? Well, I remember the master appearing in this. Yep, yep. I don't think there's that much to say about the master. I think it would have been better not to have the master's final line in there because I think mm. it's too on the nose. Everything's yes. going to change from now on. No, we get it. We get it. There's a portal to Gallifrey. It, things are already kind of different. <laughs> You're here. That's, yeah. that's a new thing. <laughs> it's so on the nose that the awareness that he's part of a TV show when he says everything's going to be different. He may as well be saying, this doctor is the ultimate cliffhanger. Yeah, exactly. Roll credits. Roll credits. Yeah. You don't need that. And also, he's appeared five seconds early and he's very pleased with himself and he's really feeling himself and be like, yeah, wasn't this cool, but you didn't expect to see me. And then suddenly his face is ashen and he's like, doctor, my mood's completely changed in no time at all. I get that the master is chaotic evil and can flip at the flip of a flippable thing, but sorry, we're going to walk for a while, podcast line. <laughs> <laughs> Do some Mad Libs in your own time. But this is too abrupt. Yeah, I would agree. So I really loved that he appeared, and then almost instantly it was like, ah, too far. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but there is uh-huh. a real sense of building menace as we approach that. The Cybers are beating down the door. The Portal and Gallifrey, we realise that the Doctor is about to come face-to-face with something. The two or three minutes leading up to that, I think, are also some of the best of the episode. Yeah. Yes, it does a very good job of building tension yeah. and then holding it. We know that this is heading somewhere utterly bombastic. Yeah. And we're also incredibly confused by the B-plots. And, and No, it's in that sense, it's very well-crafted. Yeah, and the number of Cybers who are on the march. And again, the direction. They set up the shots and the Cybers just trail off into the background for miles this ship is enormous and it's crammed full of thousands of the bastards yeah like this is an epic scale absolutely in brackets that didn't need to happen because they could have blown up the ship but yes (laughs) yeah close brackets (laughs) (sighs) yeah some sort of rating maybe (laughs) (laughs) let's do that and now it is time to rate this did we laugh or hate this bing bong bing bong hey la 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 ratings Welcome, Podcast Land, to our rating section. It is either seven seconds or ten tortured minutes later. What the hell kind of rating are we going to give this? Well, I can tell you what Abby's review was. Yes! We need a jingle for for whenever (laughs) Abby makes an appearance. (laughs) Abby reviewed this as, oh, Cybermen, that's a nice change. (laughs) (laughs) My rating, on the other hand, is going to be in the style of Maxwell Rayner, a series of observations. I wonder if some of Chibber's dialogue looks better in his mind as a comic strip panel. As if when the Doctor says bait as her magnificent realisation is like the word in bold at the end of a long speech bubble. And that's his surefire way onto the next arresting image, right? Hmm. That, that's how I kind of excuse some of the crap we get here. However, the cyber ships, they look great in the sky. I liked the older brother, Yedlami, played by Alex Austin. Oh, wow. It's you and not many others, I think. I thought he was all right. I, <laughs> okay. I thought he was justifiably gloomy okay. and pessimistic. He was a bit of a dick to his younger brother, but, you know, they're dealing with the end of humanity. Like, I'm going to sure. cut him some slack. Fair. He previously played pale young man in The World's End. Maybe that's why I like him. I like the raging chaos and disorientation of the war zone scenes, the direction and the action sequencing. Strong. 
the flight down with the vision of a cyber drone and in through the window of the building and suddenly taking an unexpected turn that was great yeah i agree the music is effective but it basically is just percussion setting a high tempo Mm. Mm. i talked about arresting scenes the scene of brendan falling off the cliff ironically is arresting as the perp gets away and then you have the tension with his dad after he survived and there's superman vibes and what's going on there one thing I didn't like was Yaz and Graham teaching the last remaining humans a thing or two about persistence and never giving up. Yeah, because they've been through a lot, don't forget. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Yaz saying, good job they left the doors open, does not excuse that piece of poor writing. I'm sure Daniel McGinley's all over that. As Ethan asks the questions of Kashamas, Ryan is dozing against a pillar. He cannot wait for his time to be up. Neither can I, Tosin. Go have a career somewhere else. Hail the Siberian. All hail. But I must give this a rating. Jodie, when she's not saddled with playing dumb, she's strong. The potential for her to portray complexity is there. If only there were better writing. The companions, six or seven solid mares. All this kind of leads me roughly into the middle. So I'm going to chicken out, take the cow's way out and give it a 2.5. Okay, (laughs) (laughs) 2.5. There was a moment, Podcast Lands, before we pressed record for the ratings section, where we were both struggling, Drew and I were both struggling to formulate a a coherent number, find a number that could succinctly pinpoint the quality of this episode. And Drew said, I know what it starts with. (laughs) (laughs) And there was a time when I wasn't sure if we were on the same starting digit. Uh, Right, yeah, fantastic, Mini. Okay, I, I love it. Right, okay. What can I say about the Doc and her companions that we haven't covered already? Not much is the answer, but I will go ahead and reassert what I kind of hinted at before, namely that she couldn't have cared less about Yaz and Graham in this episode. Her BFF and her love interest, respectively, are sort of, they're reduced to a mere afterthought when on Planet MacGuffin, she picks up the phone and goes, oh shit, Yaz, is that you? I swear I tried to call you, but my phone ran out of bats and I I was (laughs) flying through a tunnel at the time. I'm really sorry. I promise. I had you in mind the whole time. (laughs) There's no joy in her voice. The foe in this is menacing, but I think possibly not enough. Oh. The problem is, Diodati sets such a high bar. The introduction of this foe in the last episode is so insanely off-the-charts bombastic, so terrific and terrifying that it will never be that good again. Hmm. And somehow anything after that is going to be a bit of a letdown. I also find the foe not structured enough. The real big bad here is really the utter stupidity of humankind and Doc's relentless quest to rescue even the ones who are least deserving. Turns out the call was coming from inside the house the whole time. If only Doc had been less caring or even more incompetent, or if Ashad had only stuck with the drones and wiped out all seven, then they would never have had a chance to ferry billions of Cybermen to Koshamas. Not at all. In the plus column are such things as ambience, because when this episode tries to, it has buckets of wow coming out of the <laughs> wazoo, and production value, which is off the charts, and I am still throbbing. Well done, BBC. Set extensions, props, the sets themselves, as in the physical sets. Really like that weird rescued pop. Yes, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. I like the way it works. I like that it spins. I think there's mm. tons of really clever stuff going on here. 
I even like the very cheesy, almost reminiscent of Classic Who, but then extended ad infinitum by CGI, look of the inside of the cyber ship. The silly doors with the interlocking teeth around. It's like, that's not... That's not a practical design. It's going to take you forever to try to close it. Yeah, anyway, but very nicely done. Oscar for Greatest Asset, however, goes to that wonderful concept that has been a steady companion and dear friend for deliberately long, namely edging. Because Chibbers and the gang do a terrific job of having the whole Brendan subplot slowly stroke the nethers of our mind with a feather duster while our television expectations lay tied up, starfished in bed. If that reveal, we kind of touched upon this, so to speak, and I'm not sure we're right, because if the reveal had come in this episode, I think it would invariably have been a letdown. It's so good. So if post-RTD part two, the show was taken over by a younger, less experienced showrunner, let this be a lesson to you. Don't rush into things. Take your time. It's better for everyone involved. Anyway, biggest flaw. Remember all that other shit that we talked about for about an hour and a half, Drew? Uh-huh. Yeah, this whole episode is a mess. <laughs> yeah, I need to be taken into the back office and <laughs> <laughs> hooked up to some machinery. <laughs> Main takeaway, promising yet sadly an inexorably downwards trajectory. And I've given this a rating of 2.8. Okay. Yeah. So same ballpark. Well, that's just two people's opinions. Yes, and that's right. How about another two people's opinions? Oh, another two. Okay, <laughs> let's hear them both. This love is now let's hear from podcast land. Max to fifty, or it would get out of hand. Who's first? Why, first up, it's Kieran Evans. What up, Kieran? Kieran begins. Hi, folks. Hello. Nice opening shot of track into the cyberhead's eye and the title's beginning. And interesting narration from Ashard. Is uh, your friend? agrees with you (laughs) nice one kieran oh here's chibnall writing irish born and bred well yes i suppose there's more to say about that next week though that said the mind wipe scene is fairly creepy something about a retro setting always helps i think and i suppose ireland is new for the show with it being the first time it is used as a setting in the show wow really that's bizarre is that true i i'm assuming i'm assuming it's true i'm assuming that kieran's done the homework yeah well done interesting i guess when they go abroad they go abroad rather than somewhere that looks exactly like wales (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) what exactly is ashad doing when he's torturing the other cybermen questions kieran presumably he's doing something actually constructive but i don't think they ever explain what that is maybe next time i think Oh, and those drone heads are dumb. (gasps) Almost as bad as the Cyber Shades from that rubbish Christmas special. Here's our friend who disagrees with us. You know what? I kind of like the Cyber Shades. But it's because I'm a friend of animals. If I were a Cyberman, I'd have a Cyber Shade for a pet. (laughs) (laughs) Kieran continues, I suppose this is a build-up episode. Slash (laughs) edge-up. And as such is a fairly good one, though there isn't a lot else to it in terms of story. Several action scenes creeping around the cyber ship, reminiscent of Earthshock, I suppose. Oh yeah, good point. Even some of the music isn't too far off. The human survivors are the usual mix of characters that we get in this sort of thing. Only Ko Shams is something a little different, but even not that much for a lone gateway guardian. And Kieran dunno about this one, really. Like, there's nothing bad per se, but nothing that really stands out to him. So he doesn't think he can give it that higher score. 3.5 out of 5? Question mark? 
Nice. Seems high to us, Kieran. It, it does, but having just read this review, it makes perfect sense. Yep. Yeah, solid. Solid rating from a solid dude. <laughs> I desperately want to find out what Kieran's burgeoning business is all about. What is it and where can I find it, Drew? The world inexorably turneth towards Kieran. The age of <laughs> Kieran dawns at KJ Evans 2. For all your, your Evan needs. needs. Thanks, Kieran. Who's next and last? Why, next and last is GP Haynes. What up, GP? I said G. 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 P. G. I thought we were doing GP. Oh, okay. You did it wrong. I'm, P. I'm, I'm, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, GP. What's up, GP? <laughs> GP stars. Hello, everyone. Well, the cold open was great here. I'm promised so much, but I couldn't help but be disappointed by this episode. It might sound nitpicky, but there's just too many things wrong. Uh, I think you'll find we're quite forgiving of n- picking yeah, yeah. of nits here. You've GP. come to the right podcast. Yeah. <laughs> First nit to be picked: cyber head drones. Is that the best they can do? Even a flying cyber mat would have been better. I love it. We've got two. References to other cyber creatures here. This is awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Second nit, Cybermen can't shoot for shit, like so many aliens missing almost point blank. At this point, it's childish and embarrassing to watch. (laughs) GB continues, Ryan is so badly written, again, and as we discovered, barely. (laughs) (laughs) At least Graham was good, he says. He had some great lines, and he helps lift this episode to above average. By the way, GP continues to pick. Haven't we been to the future before and there were plenty of humans? Make up your mind, Doctor Who. Please clarify the timeline. It's very confusing. Yes, I think this is a very good point. This is a super good point. Time out, GP. Dude, (laughs) is this a change to humankind's history because of... What happened in Diodati? I don't know. The end of the universe is a long way off. I can see humanity waxing and waning several times. So all of the people who go to Gallifrey and are turned into Cybermen or... Oh, yeah. Die, yeah. How many I mean, of what them happens to them? Yeah. Hmm. So otherwise, all seven... No, wait. Five humans who are left plus Koshamas, they <laughs> repopulate the entire species? From what I can tell, there is one character, one female character of reproductive age surviving at this point. <laughs> Rude. <laughs> yeah, uh. no, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, time in. Right. <laughs> GP continues. I liked it better when there was just one Cyberman. It was far more threatening and proves you don't need hordes of enemy to make a scary, exciting episode. Classic Doctor Who's limited budget actually made their Cybermen episodes better. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. And GP brings it home by saying, I liked the Master's brief appearance, and again, this promises so much. What a pity we all know what's in store. Oh, no. Pretty meh. And GP gives us a rating of 2.7 pieces of cyber junk floating uselessly around space. I like that rating. Yeah, yeah, me too. <laughs> you know what? Sounds a bit nitpicky to me, GP. <laughs> well, yeah, one too many nits if I had to specify. <laughs> yeah, no, excellent many. Thank you so much for sending that in, GP. People who are not GP, find him and learn more about edging in the process at... What? At... Oh, I see. <laughs> Finding G-spots. <laughs> on Insta and the YouTubes. Thank you so much. Thank you, both of you. Anyone who submits between now and Sunday, go to the website. They'll be up there. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) This is getting towards the end of this episode, but this is not the end of Doctor Who. Oh, really? 
Nor the end of Who Back When. Oh, there's more? Leon, what more is the most proximate temporally? Oh my goodness. Well, next up, we're going to be returning to Classic Who with Delta and the Bannermen. Is that about some futuristic band? It, it certainly sounds like it. Either that or it's something medieval. Oh, oh I see. Bannermen, you know, like carrying yeah. banners. It could be some. I don't know. Delta seems cheaper. like a sci-fi thing and Bannermen is, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That sounds like romping around the countryside on a very low budget. I, I so. think I've seen a screenshot. I've not looked at this up in Yonks, but I think I've seen a screenshot of your quintessential Prince Charming. Oh, okay. Blonde, page haircuts, shining armor, yada, yada, yada. I suspect that it might be that episode. Rather than Josie and the Pussycats. Of course, exactly. what you do is you put them both together and you get Bill and Ted, so... Yeah, yes, you're right. Could be both. Absolutely. What's next after that? Why, next up it'll be the finale to Series 12. Oh. The Timeless Child. Ah, oh, yes. Bet you that's going to be great. Can't wait. I have a oh. suggestion. Oh, yes. Are you on board? For reviewing for it without watching it. Sure. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Go Pot- well, potentially, oh. because... I remember there's a certain word that is repeated many, many, many times. Yes. So I was thinking of coming around here and we had a, a drinking game and I will potentially have to stay the night if I have to drink every time that I hear they the say, tech tune. Yeah. Can you imagine how horribly incoherent the podcast recording would be uh, if we did that? <laughs> yeah. I guess it's for the best we don't. Okay. Also, nurses are going on strike and oh, th- yeah. things are not looking well in the A&E. True. This isn't a country you can fuck around in anymore <laughs> no that's true but solid solid suggestion okay <laughs> let's, let's uh... let it rest there the, the intention was there and then the tories ruined everything bastards we ever gonna review an audio book i think we have to before we wrap up this podcast doctor who redacted yeah. will get reviewed nice that sounds like the end of a bond film i like it <laughs> And that's it for that. But until next time, where can we be found online, Leon? Well, I am still, for reasons unknown to anyone really, myself included, available on Twitter at PonkNPONKN. How about you, Drew? I am also currently there at Drew Back When. Podcast Land, if you're desperate for me to stay, let me know. Otherwise, eh, I might be done with it. You can say hi to us at Who Back When, though. That's, that's our collective Twitter handle. So if you want to say hello to who back when to us message us there yeah yeah that will definitely be staying well that's wrapped that up and that wraps that up oh my god that as well yep (laughs) until the next time podcast land you've been a lovely audience Mm. very docile (laughs) yeah so quiet (laughs) barely a peep out here third mini would be nice (laughs) (laughs) until the next time be excellent to one another and bye bye yeah and be rad while you're at it thanks for listening rock on and cha chow kablamo did you enjoy the show then please do what the cosmos compels you to and spread the gospel of who back when tell your friends i've got no friends no problemo tell some strangers hey like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash whobackwhen. All in one word. Are you into Twitter? Awesome. High five us online and we'll high five you right back. You guessed it. We're at whobackwhen. All in one word. Check us out on Instagram for behind the scenes photos and other Whovian goodness. Watch our videos or even listen to our podcast on YouTube. That's whobackwhen.com slash YouTube. Vote us up on Reddit. Listen to us on Stitcher and head on over to our website whobackwhen.com where you can submit a review of your own. Browse the article archives and peruse our visual index of aliens, monsters, 
monsters and more, which increases in Kablamos with every episode. And lastly, give us a rating and review on iTunes. It helps our show get noticed and earns you lots of karma points. That's it. Rock on and be rad and excellent to each other. Catch your earballs in our next Who review or bonus episode. Until then, cha ciao. Who back when?